Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are here for episode, guest interview episode number 26. I'm here with uh, with Dr. Dean. Dr. Dean's given up his evening to uh, talk all things mould. How are you, Dean? I'm very good, Calum. It's always a pleasure to be back on the podcast. We have, uh, we've discussed doing this for quite a while, um, largely from your own experiences over the last couple of months, and I think I'm in the same boat now as well, so it's great <laughs> Um, but yeah obviously there was quite a lot of interest when you were putting those stories out on Instagram um, in regards to your own experiences over the last couple of months and what you've what you've done in terms of reading and and how how, how to kind of approach this so um, I think let's just start from the top mate and just to discuss what it is in the first place and then potentially start to open people's eyes into how relevant this is for a lot of people that they don't even realize yeah, so I, I guess people, most people are probably aware of mold being a, a species of microorganism that basically, like bacteria, competes for the environment that we live in. So basically, you know, mold is a fungus. And we, we basically branch that down into different types of funguses, like for our fungi, I should say, like Aspergillus, or um, you have also... Um, what would be another main family of molds? Um, Clostridium is a bacteria. Um, Saccharomyces, sorry, would be another one. And then obviously within that, you'd have also um, candida, which is yeast or which causes a, you know, a female vaginal uh, fungal infections. Mm. So basically what tends to happen is we have these opportunistic fungi that can take advantage of our bodies and, and inhabit them. So for example, you know, most people probably are aware of GI upsets from candida and candida overgrowth in the, the small and large intestine, which basically then can cause, you know, GI distress, diarrhea, malabsorption of food. And obviously, you know, if you're ingesting sugar, you're feeding that mold because mold thrives in a high sugar environment. Yeah. And it, it basically partakes like a fermentation process. So you're sort of feeding that mold and it's causing all this GI distress and symptoms. But the other thing that people don't realize is mold itself through generations of adaptations has developed a defense mechanism in order to protect its environment. So again, we have all these classes of, of different molds, like I said, uh, mainly Aspergillus or Another one would be penicillium, where we um, take advantage of that to create penicillin, the antibiotic. And that's another good sort of example of, you know, penicillium being produced, but penicillin being produced by penicillium fungi to ward off other invading pathogens from its, uh, its uh, territory. Now, normally what fungi produce in terms of mycotoxins are harmless to humans in that you know it's it's designed for them to i guess protect the environment that they're inhabiting so no other type of fungus can grow where they are growing but over time because of i guess disturbance in environment and cleaning and basically basically humans pissing mold off by eliminating it from its territory it's developed a process of generating toxic mycotoxins to humans 
Now, the issue there is that these mycotoxins, these toxic substances that mold are creating, are generally odorless. Yeah. And the size of the particles is very small that it can actually pass through pore substances like concrete. So if you have mold growing, you know, behind your drywall and you have concrete in front, those mycotoxins that the mold are producing actually can pass right through and can be a silent, I guess, immunomodulator and cause issues with your immune system for humans. Yeah. Um, so like you we were saying, what sort of triggered me off on this path was I'd say for the last four years, I've had two bouts of chronic sinusitis that would last about three to four weeks and would take quite a, a strong dose of antibiotics to resolve. And I could never figure out what was going on. Now, when I look back to when I was younger, I've had my adenoid glands, which are your lymph nodes with inside your nose and inside your nasal cavity. So they, they were removed because I was having chronic congestion issues as a child. Now, again, this could have been triggered by something in the environment like mold mm. causing chronic sinus inflammation. But it started to sort of dawn on me that there has to be some sort of root cause that's going on here. You can't just keep getting sinus infection after sinus infection um, and be that unlucky. And then I started to read things about mold and mold triggering off your, your immune system. And that was sort of when I started to get in this rabbit hole of seeing what effects mold can have on your body in terms of causing what we call CIRS or chronic inflammation response syndrome. And this tends to kick off a cascade of events to the immune system, which basically cause the person to be chronically inflamed. Now that can have further consequences um, to people in terms of it can actually activate then their mast cells in their body, mm. which are the ones that produce histamine. And then you start to see all these GI distress issues or even immune dysfunction issues or histamine rashes because of that histamine release from these mast cells being irritated by that immune response. So for me, anyway, it, it really took until last year when I was perfectly fine living at my home when Callum was born, my son, for about three or four weeks, not being, because obviously I was living with my parents in Dublin when I was working. Mm. And that, that room with my parents has been my room for like 15 or 16 years. It's the, the attic is converted into the third floor of their, their house. So that's where I, I've lived um, since they moved there. But basically, when I went back to my parents' house after being away for a month, within two days, I had the worst sinus infection I've had to date. That literally took three weeks of antibiotics to get rid of. Mm. And at that point, then I started to realize there's, there has to be some correlation here between me leaving my home in Straban to go to my parents' house after being away for so long. And then it dawned on me that I was like, okay, well, all this information I've been gathering on mold for the last year or so, it's starting to all click now that there could be something in this environment in my parents that's going on. But I couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. Or I wasn't really privy to, 
you know, really being able to suss out what was going on with mold. I didn't know that it could grow behind walls and pass through. I didn't know any of this stuff. And it really was last summer then, we went away in May, me and Morgan, for a spa weekend. And when we were going away again, that this was sort of around the time after uh, Body Power last year in 20, 2019. Mm. And at Body Power, I was starting to feel a little run down. And then when we came back, I, I was quite, you know, I had a sore throat. My sinuses were at me. We went to the spa break, me and Morgan, for, for a weekend. And I, I just got in the sauna, you know, just a therapeutic sauna. Instead of sitting here for 20 minutes and see if we're feeling any better. Now, this sauna, I've never experienced a sauna like this in my life. It was like at least a hundred over 100 degrees with no humidity. It was dry, dry heat. When I left that sauna after 20 minutes, I wiped myself off with a towel, like what you normally do. And I looked at the towel and there was all this black stuff all over the towel. Mm. And Morgan was looking at me as if to say, like, what, like, what the hell? So I was like looking at her, I was like, you know, from my reading mycotoxins the quickest way for mycotoxins to be sort of excreted from your body is through your skin yeah it's like Dora, this is uh this is all starting to add up now towards the reading that i've done towards you know the symptoms that i've been having and obviously the, the chronic progression of it all so i decided okay i'm gonna go back into that sauna for another 20 minutes and see does it does a new towel clean towel get dirty again same story again after the second 20 minutes and then by the third 20 minute sauna, all my sweat that was coming out was clear. There was no more black stuff coming out. And I tell you what, that weekend, my sleep was absolutely phenomenal. I had, you know, really restful, deep sleep. I was waking up the next morning feeling very fresh, you know, as if that my body wasn't trying to fight off a foreign pathogen. And same same sort of story again then we went on holiday six weeks later and there was a sauna at the hotel and every day i'd done a sauna there and we were in portugal and the same result i just felt better and better and better and when i came back to my parents um that was like the end of june start of august i started to, to start to feel the effects of the mold you could say in terms of symptoms started to come back and i was sort of like you know this is all clicking now yeah. The, you know this is no longer coincidence we know exactly you know what we need to address at this point and that was around the time when i came to you we started working together yeah um and i, I kept having this sort of suspicion of you know oh it's mold you know it's mold but i never really went to the trouble of doing a, a mycotoxin test so you you can actually measure your urinary output of mycotoxins and it was always something i was just putting on the you know, the, the, the short, the long finger and, you know, it's always putting the short of all, oh, I'll get it done next week. I'll get it done next week. And that sort of went on, you know, all of last year. I'm even seeing at one point, you know, my, my mental attitude around December started to completely drop off, not only from stress, but obviously from what was happening in terms of the immune exposure. Yeah. Because then we see in January, I was hit like a, like a train same story to that february when callum was born i had that chronic sinus infection that took three weeks of antibiotics to clear but intelligently 
because we had this suspicion towards the mold, we incorporated daily saunas with the antibiotic and we've seen a rapid progression in terms of that sinus infection clearing quickly. Um, which sort of brings me on to the point that, you know, people that deal with chronic sinusitis or um, any sort of inflammatory conditions, when it's sort of discussed with GPs, it's, I don't even think it's common knowledge to a GP in terms of, fungal growth occurring in the body, let alone the sinus cavity, because the first antibiotic I accepted in January, took that for a week, symptoms didn't resolve, and we went back for the second antibiotic. And during the second week discussion with the GP, I said to him about fungal growth in the, the nasal cavity, and I said to him, what about a antifungal nasal spray? And he sort of looked at me like I had three heads you know, I was trying to explain to him, you know, okay, yes, we can have opportunistic bacteria. We can have streptococcal bacteria or whatever. Taking advantage of a, a compromised immune system causing sinusitis, but there could be a root cause underneath that that's actually a mole infection that's causing uh, a compromised immune response yeah. to allow that bacteria to invade. And he sort of just looked at me and laughed it off. And I just thought, well, like, I'm not going to get anywhere with this. So let's just take the antibiotic, do the saunas, you know, take some, what we'll discuss, some binders and see what sort of happens. Um, and that, that was okay. You know, symptoms resolved. And then we got into the second sort of off-season push. And we were starting to, you know, renovate this new house that we moved into. <laughs> And that was sort of where things started to roll downhill again. Um, obviously, people know what lockdown, gym shut, and then I was sort of forced to train in the garage that we, we moved into. However, when we viewed this house, everything seemed perfect on the outside. Um, the garage, obviously, the previous inhabitants of this house we own now were smokers, so we accepted that there was going to be smoke, you know, nicotine staining and yellow walls remember this will all have to be painted that's fine the garage was like nicotine stained that's fine we can just clear it out but when we viewed this house i got a small smell out in the garage of what you describe like an old library that's the that's the best way to describe how mold sort of smells if we're going to give it a smell like a musty um smell and I couldn't figure out what was going on when we actually moved into the house in February, they like this musty smell. And I looked at the garage door. The garage door on the inside was black and on the outside it was painted white. So I took a stroll up to the door and when we, when we viewed the house, okay, the garage door looked like it, it needed to be replaced in terms of there was a little bit of damage to the bottom of the door. Mm. But when I walked up to it, the whole garage door from, you know, the bottom half of the door was completely rotted to the point you could put your foot through. Yeah. And then I walked outside and noticed that the garage door was being held together with tape that they painted white over the tape. I did. <laughs> and I, I looked at more, I was like, Morgan, this house is riddled with mold. That is wood rot. Black, like, like you know, there's, there's, you know, without taking it, uh, a mold sample, there's obviously, you know, either aspergillus or penicillium. There's one of these mold species growing inside that wood that's rotted, especially with the smell. 
So obviously the garage door was replaced immediately, but that still doesn't remove your full exposure to that mold. So you've gotten rid of the, the, the moldy substance, you could say, but there's still mold in the air because of the spores are being released from the wood. The mold itself would have been releasing mycotoxins to defend its territory. Mm. And it, it sort of dawned on me then that, okay, we have nicotine stained walls. The mold is probably trapped inside the, the wall itself in terms of the, the spores being trapped inside the paint with the nicotine stain. Yeah. And obviously then I, I, we, we went about renovating the garage and cleaning it down. But we retrained that environment for about 12 weeks yeah. before I fully renovated it. And that renovation process involved, you know, I had to scrub all the walls basically with, um, well, first and foremost, I fumigate the garage with fungicide to make sure that, you know, if there's any spores in the air that it's going to kill it off. Now, when you look at, any sort of remediation to mold always involve professionals with this sort of thing even if it's black mold growing in your bathroom and you know it's wood rot always seek out professionals to do this sort of work because if you disturb that mold it'll actually produce even more mycotoxins uh, you know i think it's a square inch of mycotoxins contains about it's at least one million molecules it's a huge number and you go disturb a mold it's going to release a lot more than you know one square inch of mycotoxins mm. that, that's the spores then the spreading once you've disturbed that piece of whatever like wood whatever it might be exactly yeah so you know okay yes you're cleaning the environment but you're putting yourself in a really disadvantageous spot in terms of immunocompromised you know you're making yourself very immunocompromised to basically this mold invading your um mucosal cells your you know your lungs your intestine because you're going to be breathing in those spores you're not going to be wearing ppe yeah most mold remediators are going to wear full you know full suits hazmat suits fully sealed face um you know a, a, an n95 mask or even a, a gas chamber mask to basically filter out the particular of mold mycotoxins because of the size that they are Obviously, the exposure in the garage was the door that was professionally replaced and removed. But it still leaves you with these, you know, you could still get the smell of mold in the air, like I said to you, like this old musty smell. The fungicide, obviously, you're going to kill the spores. There's no physical mold present. There's spores either on the walls or that looking to survive somewhere. Yeah. So we fumigated the, the garage and then I went about washing all the walls with sugar soap and a mix of essential oils vinegar again what i'm doing there is killing any sort of spores that are stuck to the nicotine and washing the nicotine off and then i went about painting the garage but during that period of time um of training in the garage i noticed there was periods where my mental mood was taking severe dips now, last year we were able to sort of figure out when that happened, obviously with stress and work in December, mold itself, when it invades your body, puts a huge demand on methylation in your body, which, which controls neurotransmitter synthesis. So if you already have genetic issues with methylation, 
and you're not ingesting enough methyl folate or methyl donors from SAMe, you're going to have huge impacts to your mental health. And, and you know, this was night and day difference that when I said this to you in December, I was like, I'm just after realizing normally I take metal foley because I have what's known as the MTHFR gene, which is metal tetrahydrofoley reductase, which is a, a transporting enzyme for folate metabolism. And so I normally take Foley for that, that genetic issue. Yeah. And I hadn't taken it for about three weeks and it sort of then started to dawn on me. Mold puts such an impact to your methylation because when I put Foley back in with Sammy, it was night and day. Like, you know, my drive, my mental clarity, my mood, everything just flipped upside down. You know, getting to the gym the evening after work, didn't really bother me even if I was stressed because of this sort of balance in my neurotransmitters. Yeah. Um, and that sort of happened again around May with this house. And that was sort of when Morgan, my wife said to me, okay, you keep saying you're going to do a mycotoxin test and you keep putting off order it right now. So I, I went to uh, BioLab UK to um, Great Plains lab mycotoxin test. Um, so you can order this through a company called uh, Regenerous. There was another UK practitioner, um, Mickey Rose, fantastic educator and all things sort of functional medicine, but she's now stopped doing functional tests. Um, so if anyone wants to do a Great Plains lab mycotoxin test, Regenerous, R-E-G-E-N, Regen, uh, E-R-U-S, Regenerous, labs if you put that into google bring it to their um, website it's a uk based company similar to medichex but they offer all these functional medicine tests without the requirement for a practitioner to prescribe for you yeah so we sent away that mycotoxin test you basically have a urinary analysis and um, done it takes about four weeks for the results to come back and uh, long and behold we got uh, what we were expecting and my ochrotoxin a levels were through the roof yeah. And then there was a small amount of citrine and mold species growing inside my body. So on one hand, gives you great relief. You know, you're not going crazy. You know, you're not constantly saying to your wife, it has to be mold. There's a mold infection in my body. You have clear data now to show there is a problem inside my body. This needs to be resolved ASAP. Yeah. Um, so for most people that probably aren't aware uh, we, we could spend a whole podcast discussing all the different types of um, mycotoxins, but in particular of them all, ochrotoxin A is the most dangerous. When we look at the literature for ochrotoxin A in humans, it can cause kidney disease. It can cause FSGS in terms of causing um, your glomeruli and your kidneys can get damaged long-term. You're sort of left with kidney disease. Um, it's potentially carcinogenic. It can potentially cause heart issues. It's definitely a substance that you do not want in your body. Yeah. Um, now, when we sort of look at bodybuilders who ha have ochrotoxin A, they're probably, in my opinion, the most protected. Because in one sense, especially enhanced bodybuilders, 
ochratoxin A can put a big dampening effect towards mTOR and literally slow down mTOR completely. Mm. So on one hand, you have these substances, the AAS, competing with ochratoxin A again to keep mTOR and MPS going, um, which I found very interesting. And there's also then a subclass of other mycotoxins that can have an upregulation on CYP19, which is aromatase. Yeah. So you now have these substances that are actually driving aromatase formation. And again, we've seen that with my blood work back yeah. in back in June, like with, with very low dose, bang in the middle physiological range, and all of a sudden my, my aromatase enzyme is causing estrogen to be way outside physiological range and then we also have other issues then in terms of then mold starts to disturb the adrenal corticotropin axis so now you have issues with melatonin release you have issues with vasopressin or antidiuretic hormone and what you find then is that you're chronically dehydrated now, for me, I don't, didn't really see that because obviously I'm always ingesting electrolytes and my fluid intake is balanced. Yeah. But before the mycotoxin test came back, I constantly kept giving Morgan static shocks. So again, this is another symptom of mold toxicity. If you're generating static charge in your body, it's basically because your body's not able to um, intake enough sodium into cells. There's a, an extracellular charge, basically. Um, and so not only do you find that you're constantly thirsty, but you also find that you don't retain water. So at nighttime, you could be suffering with nocturia, um, yeah. which, you know, can become very chronic. And that was sort of what was starting to make me believe in, in mold was that like clockwork every night, I was waking up every three hours with a full bladder. Mm. regardless of what intervention I put in, if I stop drinking at like four in the afternoon and go to bed at 11, you know, I'm still waking up at two, six. And then obviously when I wake up, then maybe at eight o'clock, always full bladder. And that's because you don't make enough of this antidiuretic hormone to make sure that your body's retaining fluid while you're sleeping. Mm. Because this is an important hormone that's controlled by the adrenal axis Similar to melatonin, it increases at night to make sure that you have undisturbed sleep for unnecessary bathroom trips. You know, if you do ingest fluid before sleep, yes, you are going to wake up to go to the bathroom because of fluid redistribution. But that should be a rarity. You shouldn't be waking up every two or three hours to use the bathroom unless there's something wrong with your kidneys or you don't make enough of this yeah. um, antidiuretic hormone. And so, you know, then you start to see how damaging these substances are to your health. Uh, like, like in one sense, you're not getting enough sleep. Or if you're not taking care of your sleep quality, you're going to start to see health issues from that. Um, again, the cr sort of chronic dehydration can then impact the kidney health. And then, like I said, ochratoxin A is directly nephrotoxic. So, you know, over time, it's slowly damaging your kidneys without you even being aware of it. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, it, it's sort of one of these things that over the last couple of months with me putting up stories about the garage and then obviously how I was tackling with the mycotoxin um, 
people are more and more starting to send me DMs like with pictures of I've just moved my wardrobe away in my bedroom and look at this and it's just a complete black stain on the wall. Yeah. And then the other thing that's scary that, you know, you have people who are living in rented accommodation sending me pictures of, you know, they've pulled the bath away in their bathroom, renovating the, the house that they rent and it's just completely covered in black mold. And they're like, oh, my, my landlord doesn't want to know anything about this. Yeah. Because it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's the remediation of mold basically is that if you can take that material away, do it. Yeah. It's not like, you know, let's just paint over it and make sure that, you know, oh, it looks clean, but there's still mold there. There's still microtoxins there. Mm. Um, you know, painting, like I said, with the garage, washing the walls and making sure I was washing it with, you know, fumigating the place with fungicide and then washing it with essential oils that kill mold. You're sort of tackling that issue before you paint. Cause I could just went in and painted over these yellow walls and went, oh, who cares? Nicotine. I'm just going to paint all these walls with paint. What's what sort of stuck to the walls that, you know, would still be there. So I'm not, even though the room smells like paint, there's still stuff stuck to the wall. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I've shared it a few times. I've, I've one client um, who basically for five years suffered with chronic inflammatory syndrome, the CIRS, which I was on about, that was causing mast cell issues, triggering digestive problems to the point that this person has a very, very limited set of foods that they can ingest without annoying their immune system. Um, and basically, this person consulted with me, um, reviewed blood work, all normal, kept being told by GPs it's all in, in their head, that the histamine issues were all, you know, oh, it's just coincident. You know, here's antihistamines. Take those whenever you have a histamine rash. <clears throat> and then sort of breaking down what we've discussed there with this person during the consult, they informed me that they'd seen five or six other functional medicine doctors and sort of were sending them down, you know, this avenue and that avenue, spending thousands without getting real answers. Within 40 minutes of sort of getting background history from that person, I was able to say, you've mold toxicity. They're like, how do you know? I was like, let's do a mycotoxin test. And I guarantee you within two weeks when the results come back, <laughs> you'll have your answer. And he was shocked you know, ochre toxin came back at 55. Mm. It was just sky high, like scarily high to the point that you're thinking, you know, if this went undetected and untreated, this person's going to end up with kidney disease. Yeah. Like no, no doubt about it. On top of this severe mental and I, I guess GI distress, because obviously this person can basically eat turkey, butternut squash and cut a couple of vegetables and that's it anything outside that they either have massive histamine releases to the point where their body breaks out in violent rashes or they have um, mood instability in terms of histamine driving uh, you know mental issues and that's all being driven because of when we went back through the history that person's old house was completely covered in mold mm their car was covered in mold, their workplace was covered in mold. And then you start to see that, you know, okay, 
we think, oh, it's just a bit of mold. Let, let's forget about it. When we look at genetics, there is a particular gene on chromosome six called HLA-DR. Um, HLA is human leukocyte antigen. It's basically, it's what presents to our white blood cells when there's an antigen present in the body. But in 25% of the population, there's a defect with this gene. So you now have an immune system that's dysfunctional that does not present antigens correctly to the immune system. And for example, mold being one of them. So normally if you get exposed to mold, your immune system just kills it when it enters the body. 25% of people have polymorphisms which dictate that HLA-DR can leave them susceptible to um, invading pathogens. Mm. So I guess with this particular person, we've managed to decrease ochratoxin A from 55 to 20 within 12 weeks um, on the retest. Basically, by following a protocol that's been, um, I guess, widely educated by Dr. Jess, people aren't followers, she's on Instagram, Dr. Jess Petras. And her philosophy, along with um, Dr. Jill Krishna, is to basically kill, bind, and sweat. So we, we have this sort of protocol that we try and kill the mold with natural botanicals that are antifungals. Yeah. Um, on top of also, very importantly, removing ourselves from that environment. So if you do have a moldy home, you know, you're not going to heal while there's mold in your environment. So either get it remediated or move. So you kill it with um, various different classes of antifungal. You know, we have grapefruit seed extract. Um, we have lactoferrin, oregano, berberine. There's all these natural antifungals. So we use them to help try and kill mold, whether it's, you know, in the GI or whether it's in the nasal cavity. Again, the nasal cavity is probably more so attributed to people who have chronic sinusitis. Yeah. Um, and again, not only do we have mold in that instance, we can have what's called Marcons, which is multiple antibiotic resistant um something streptococcus strains it's it's basically that we have these family we have these bacteria that are able to colonize the sinus cavity that are actually resistant to antibiotic treatment and they live in synergy with mold inside the sinus cavity and then what they tend to do is they tend to form them biofilms which then protect the mold or fungi from your immune system attack and it basically forms this encased protective shell yeah so in that case you're sort of looking at then topical um nasal sprays like you know silver um again using grapefruit seed extract in a spray form or citrus seed oils something that's going to go locally or even you know go to conventional root medicine um sort of pat and using nystatin nasal spray or ketoconazole nasal spray using actual antifungal medicines mm. topically 
into the nasal cavity to kill off fungi that are living in that, that cavity. Because again, people probably don't realize your, your sinus cavity is a damp, moist, humid environment, perfect for mold to colonize inside. Yeah. And if you have any sort of immunocompromisation towards, say, like me, your adenoids being removed, you no longer have that lymph node where white blood cells can gather to detect if there's stuff going on inside your sinus. Yeah. So that's sort of kill. You're killing off the, the fungi. Then you have bind. So basically, the elimination of mycotoxins is very slow by your body. And it all occurs through liver metabolism. So... You know, we, we've talked about this before towards steroids, phase one metabolism being a biotransformation process to make compounds more readily excretable. And then obviously phase two is conjugation to make them more water soluble so you can pass them in your urine. But mycotoxins tend to enter the liver, undergo biotransformation, undergo conjugation, and then what can actually happen is you have um, enterohepatic recirculation, which basically means you have a, a portal vein in your liver that can actually <laughs> train stuff that's been metabolized back out into the bloodstream. So, you're, you're, you know, your body has done all this work to try and deactivate this toxin to only release it back into your system again. How we, how we sort of prevent that from happening is our body produces bile, which has a a negative charge and that pulls these molecules with it down into the small intestine and then we excrete that in our feces. So if we do have a, a bile insufficiency where we're not making enough bile or we have an issue where a bile flow is incorrect, well then that recirculation process is more likely going to keep happening. So you're going to have someone who's been exposed to mold keep recirculating, say for example, okra toxin back into their body. Yeah. The whole point of the binder is that these substances bind up your bile. So basically, when the bile attracts the metabolized ochre toxin to it, the bile binder grabs the bile and goes, right, off we go, and forces it down into the small intestine. So you can think of it, soluble fibers are probably the best example to use in terms of binders that, you know, they grab bile and then they pass into the small intestine and then push everything along. And you eliminate then in your feces the metabolized substances. Um, in some cases, then we have to go sort of a, a little more aggressive with binding. So generally, sort of the prescription protocol for most um, ochre toxin exposures is what's called uh, cholesteramine. And that's basically a cholesterol-lowering drug. But what they found was it's very good at binding bile that can have ochre toxin bound to that bile. So not only is it going to pull bile that has ochre toxin, it's going to pull bile that has LDL particles in it as well. And, you know, lower LDL circulation, but also make sure that you're lowering ochre toxin recirculation. Yeah. Um, then we have the likes of activated charcoal or um, activated clays or aluminosilica clays like zeolite or... Um, bentonite clay which are slightly different to the likes of cholesteramine because they have a different charge and basically what happens there is the mycotoxins are 
absorbing onto these substances. So it's not that they're forming a complex, it's that they're sitting on the surface of the activated charcoal or the bentonite clay or the zeolite. So it's sort of, you know, it, it, they're not highly specific, but they do bind substances, toxic substances for removal. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, part of bind would be making sure that we're getting adequate levels of fiber, like I said, using cruciferous vegetables in order to upregulate that, that phase one metabolism within the liver. And then the, the final part is sweat. So we do know that heavy metals and um, certain mycotoxins like ochratoxin pass out through the sweat gland. So we have, you know, our skin is the largest organ of our body. And it's probably the largest detoxification organ of the body. Yeah. So by sweating, we're encouraging substances to rise to the surface. Um, again, a clear example of toxicity, I suppose, to these substances is that using liposomal glutathione to support phase two conjugation of these toxic substances, similar to, again, using glutathione for AAS toxicity. I normally take a serving of glutathione every day. Uh, one day I made the mistake and I ended up taking, I think it was two and a half servings about two hours before bed. And that night I had hell. Mm. I broke out in a huge rash all around my liver. I broke out in a huge rash all along my arm, this intense itch for about four hours. Now, if we think about this logically, when our body wants to detox something rapidly, the quickest way is out through the skin. So when we have rashes like that develop on the surface of the skin, it's actually an indication that your body is trying to rapidly expel whatever it wants to get rid of out through the skin as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of brings us to what are known as um, Herx reactions. And it's sort of like, Mold toxic people, you can have varying levels of degree to the toxicity, but we always have to be mindful that it's not just about taking a sledgehammer to the wall and throw everything at this person who's sick for mold, because we then have to figure out what way is that person's immune response going to be towards the treatment modalities that we're going to implement. Yeah. And it can actually make the person feel a hell of a lot worse, pushing things very hard, thinking that if we take all these supplements, if I do all these things that are supposed to be done for mold, I'm going to get quicker, faster. And it can actually set you back longer because of the sort of impact that it has to, I guess, your, your daily energy levels. And again, uh, anecdotally, when I started to implement some slightly stronger stuff in terms of antifungals, natural antifungals, um, I started to find that for about a period of a week that like my body just did not want to move. Mm. That like the, the tiredness that come on from it and like the sort of the mental fog that came onset with obviously trying to kill off the mold as quick as possible sort of set in not unexpectedly, I sort of expected 
the hurts that happen to it. But it goes to show you that if you're not prepared for this, you know, it can make your life very difficult. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, you, you, you get this exposure to mold. You have to figure out then obviously your symptoms. And then the plan that's implemented has to be suited towards, you know, your own comfort level of how fast you want to go through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like this hidden thing in our society that people aren't really paying attention to that could be driving quite a lot of illness. And, and you know, I mean, we, we've seen it again between myself and, and you in terms of other clients being affected by it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, we've had, we've had uh, quite a few consults where um, the underlying kind of, after having seen this with two or three clients, I kind of get an impression of what's going on. And then obviously we get a call booked in with you and it's, <clears throat> putting the pieces of the puzzle together, but you can see those little symptoms that start to draw a picture. Yeah. I mean, even HRV, like using HRV in an aura ring, that for me has been, I've sent you some incredible stuff from it where we, we've really pushed hard on, on mold. We've, you know, gone to town on it and HRV sort of drops off. And then sort of during the recovery period of where we start to see things sort of clear off a little, my baseline HRV shoots up to like 90 from 60. Yeah, and you can sort of start to see that if you have chronically low HRV, it's an indication that you have some sort of hidden pathogen in your body that's causing CNS stress. Yeah, you're never entering into that fully parasympathetic nervous system state. You 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 know your body's constantly trying to fight off this little pathogen that it's trying to find, where it's mold with biofilm. Or even, you know, you're going down into really functional medicine depths towards Lyme disease and Bartonella and other pathogens like that. But it becomes like sort of a really useful way to sort of view how someone's recovering. Yeah. By, by taking mark of, of HRV. Um, but yeah, like the, the symptoms, um, again, ranging from rashes to sinus to static shocks to muscle spasms. Like there, there's a myriad of symptoms to mold toxicity that people sort of tend to just write off as being a, a normal symptom. Mm. Due, due to that inflammatory nature of the, of the toxicity, do you think the, the niggles you picked up in that last phase were related to what was going on internally? Oh, I, I would say so, yeah. I like, it, I mean, more, it, was, it started to be one thing after another, didn't it? Yeah, we had, we had quite a few. I mean, like there's, there's quite a few markers. Um, let me see where's where's my book. There's quite a few of uh, I don't know these all off the top of my head, so that's why I'm taking out the book. But basically, if you want to, um, I guess research more of this, you're sort of looking at what's called the um, uh, what's it called now? See, even though I don't know things always off the top of my head, but biotoxin pathway. If you look that up, you're, you'll be able to see exactly what happens with mold in terms of how it gets detoxed by the body. Mm. Um, but the biotoxin pathway, we're sort of looking at um, on a forefront, your mitochondria getting um, disrupted. And obviously then that sort of plays into then immune response towards, you know, your CD cells. Um, there's another thing called vascular endothelial growth factor which is sort of the one that um, gets elevated sort of uh, 
decreased, I mean, in response to an elevation in cytokines. Yeah. Um, and obviously that vascular endothelial growth factor would be involved with um, vascular genesis of growing blood, blood vessels, etc. So yeah, like, you know, if you're, if you're training intensely, you might pick up niggles because of this, this inflammatory. Um, the other thing, sort of on a tangent that I never even spoke about, you can do what's called a visual contrast sensitivity test. Mm. And I forgot to even say this from the start. This is sort of where we sort of confirmed before the mycotoxin test about the mold. My visual contrast sensitivity test was like, I, don't know, I think it was like 29 out of 32 um, tests I failed. Yeah. It's basically a test that looks at your visual acuity to determine a series of um, gray and white spheres. And the, the further you go along the test, the, each sort of sequence of lines in the test, it goes from line A to E, corresponds to your, um, I guess, biotoxin exposure. And, and it really shows you then that, you know, that when you have um, mycotoxin exposure, you have um, an insult to the mitochondria of your eye and macular degeneration. So it affects your eyesight. Um, and the VCS test is an easy way. There's vcs.com, I think was the one that I used, which is free. Get it online. Or, yeah, do it online. Or, or you can pay, I think it's 10 euro, and that allows you to download your PDF and save your results on file. Right. And basically what a lot of mold practitioners do is with each visit with mold patients is they repeat this VCS test to assess what's happened in the last few weeks since reviewing that patient's um, history. Yeah. And it allows you to then track over time, are you getting actually better? So I must actually this evening do a VCS test because it's been about four months. Yeah. And see, is there any sort of improvement? Um, scarily, Morgan done it and she was sort of like on the the edge of the test saying you may have biotoxin illness um but your results are sort of like on the edge for these D and E lines where mine was just like they have a reference line and mine is like way down below the reference line you go yeah well that confirms the issue yeah but VCS uh, VCS.com I think it is so cheap uh, like I said free to do and then if you want to pay for the report, you, you do like a PayPal donation. Okay. Um, but like that, that again is just something that, again, if anyone's listening to this and you have your suspicions that you have mold toxicity, do the VCS test. Um, funnily enough, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Larry Doyle's Instagram story a while back with his shower. Uh, his, shower his shower was completely molded in his house. Oh, the, in their new house? Yeah, yeah. And he was going on about cowboys. And I said to him, that's interesting. Why don't you do a VCS test? And his was immaculate. Really? He's got an infrared sauna at the house now. Uh, yeah, he does. He has a built-in one. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of what I was, I was going to get onto as well, is that, like, you know, in terms of sweat, um, infrared saunas are generally preferred over um, regular coal-based for the pure fact that Infrared tends to modulate heat from outside uh, to in. Yeah. So you basically then, your sweat is actually deeper than being exposed in a, in a normal sauna environment. Yeah. Um, again, 
I found anyway that the infrared sauna is a little more tolerable to a regular sauna as well. Um, and the portable tent ones, I was skeptical a while back of them. And then I started to do my research into them. They're the exact same as having a wooden one built in your house in terms of the carbon um, heater panels are the exact same. Yeah. It's just that it's basically a fold up tent. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of something we've been recording, we've been incorporating over the last month. And I, I can confirm that my recovery, the start of it was a little uncomfortable and trying to get used to it, especially doing it in the evening time, sort of heading into to sleep time. But I found, found if you do it, like say two hours before you go to bed, you've sort of, your, your core temperatures dropped enough to allow you to have a good quality sleep. Yeah. Um, but for like two hundred and forty pound, I think is what I paid for mine. Um, from UK saunas, at the links on my my Instagram. If you go to the mold highlight, that has been invaluable. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm I'm interested to see because obviously I've sort of seen it through my clients drop in ochratoxin from fifty five to twenty in the twelve weeks using an aggressive kill buying sweat. Um what sort of improvement we'll see here now that we've cleaned up the environment here. We've cleaned up the environment in my parents' house at the attic. Um, I've invested in an ultra HEPA filter. Um, so basically what that is, is a vacuum filter that vacuums air basically down to 0 0.1 of a micron. So right. if there's any sort of mycotoxin in the air, dust, etc., it's getting pulled into this HEPA filter. And I've been strategically moving that around the house to improve the air quality in every room. Yeah. Um, but that, again, is, a, is another sort of investment that, you know, if you are suspecting that you have mold present, it's something that can help clean up the environment for you while you're living in it. Um, I, I guess it, it's, it's definitely something that I'm hoping, just like when I speak about AAS, that people will start to realize what sort of detriment this has to society um, as a, I guess, a silent pathogen that can be visible sometimes or it can be growing behind your drywall that you have no clue about and it's causing, you know, you can have a family of five people and one person is being driven demented by that mold and yet everyone in that house is going to tell that one person it's all in your head because the other four people aren't being affected. Yeah. So it's it's definitely sort of one of these things that, you know, the more education that comes out or the more people are brought to light towards, you know, that it's not all in your head, that there are pathogens like this that, you know, are probably present in your environment without you realizing. Yeah. And um, the better it'll be for, for, I guess, medicine to progress forward. Because, you know, you could have a complete paradigm shift towards chronic sinusitis where, you know, they, they start taking nasal swab cultures and start to figure out, well, okay, you've had chronic sinus issues for the last three years. We'll do a swab analysis of your sinus cavity, and then it comes back that you're riddled with aspergillus or penicillin mold. Then the, you know, then the goalposts start shifting quickly that, okay, we no longer have to be given oral antibiotics. We now have to kill off this mold with antifungals the same way we try and kill off a mold infection in someone's lungs or mold infection in someone's skin. We, we go the route of using these um, 
azole drugs like ketoconazole or myconazole, whatever one they want to choose. Or even, you know, you can end up at the very serious part where you have to use what's known as amphotericin B, which is like, it's a drug that you do not want to end up using unless someone is completely immunocompromised. And just as sort of an aside to all this, this is sort of interesting. When someone contracts MRSA in a hospital, so MRSA would be, you know, the penicillin resistant and anti uh, penicillin resistant bacteria that you can't really use any first line defensive antibiotics against. Mm-hmm. What normally kills people who get MRSA is mold, is fungus. Um, pathogenic fungus or opportunistic fungus invades the body and lungs and basically causes pneumonia symptoms. And that's sort of where when you get to that stage with an MRSA infection, doctors are sort of left with this last defensive treatment, which is uh, intravenous amphotericin B, which, you know, if someone's making the decision for you to get intravenous amphotericin B, you know, you, you don't have a strong likelihood of surviving, basically. Mm. Um, it's a very toxic drug to humans because it's basically, it, it, it's like an anaphore, which basically destroys mold from the outside in. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's sort of the only place where I can sort of see conventional medicine encountering fungus at the moment in terms of, you know, opportunistic fungus fungi causing um infection yeah i think that the 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 consideration for what even this episode is is probably the prevalence of it all around us but not really an awareness of what it is or what it's doing yeah yeah like i guess like what you even said like you only realized that your office you're going into your office and you're getting you know, squashy throat and sinus issues, and then you pulled away the window, and there's mold growing on the window. Yeah, you know, it, I remember it, when I, I remember when I used to live. When I went to uni, I was in a for two and a half years in a like an attic, an attic room that was converted into two bedrooms at uni, and the whole the the slanted roof, all all of that was wood, and the windows were wood. I remember seeing this was years ago. I remember seeing in my second or third year of uni, I remember seeing the wood and some of it was patchy with dark patches. And obviously I wouldn't think anything of it, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, however, however long it was. But, you know, that was, that was probably covered in mold and I was living there for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, it, it comes down to this sort of what, what they sort of believe is this genetic susceptibility with that HLA. So, you know, you can be lucky or you can be unlucky. Yeah. Um, but it sort of all adds up if you have these chronic symptoms with sort of no resolve or no root cause being found ultimately. You know, that was sort of what led me down as part of the chronic sinus infections and then actually thinking, you know, there has to be something that's triggering this. Yeah. I'm constantly getting congested in my nose with, with nothing. You know, I'm just sitting in a room and my nose is blocked all of a sudden. Yeah. You then start to, you know, think a lot more carefully of okay maybe something is happening you know at a cellular level that's really annoying my immune system and that's you know where we found out about mold basically yeah another interesting one to speak to is uh have you do you know ryan carter on instagram live the tape 
he does uh, lots of like food based posts, but he's, he's, he's a very clever guy. And um, he used to have some health complications when I first met him five, six years ago. And uh, I believe that stemmed from a high exposure to mold. And I think it was, I think it was his family or his, or his father's shop in London, a very old building. And uh, I think he did some digging after having some issues himself and just some random things happen. And a, a lot of that was, uh, was mold related as well. And yeah, um, like kind of same situation as you where it's like, it's kind of led him on this path of learning all this stuff. Yeah, like it's, I, I never really said, obviously I have that, the interest with functional medicine and applying functional medicine with pharmacology to bodybuilding and whatever else. But this was, I guess, something that sort of directly impacted me and obviously with the curious mind, not willing to accept that as pure coincidence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if, if people really want to delve further into it, um, there is you got, have you got like a reading list you could like a couple of books that you've found good. Yeah. So there's, there's break the mold, which is by Dr. Jill Christa. That is a really easy, fast read. So you'll be able to read that I'd say in about, two hours it's a very quick read very simple she has a um on the first three pages she has a questionnaire basically um and i think you can do this questionnaire for free on our website um so basically the, the first sort of question is sort of like category one and it sort of like breaks down into like these symptoms like I, i'm gonna I'll, I'll read out some simple ones that maybe people are probably like Category one, it says like give each box a score of one and you have brain fog, tired all the time, frequent runny nose, blow your nose often, sneezing, sinusitis, post-nasal drip, nosebleeds, heart palpitations, hay fever, blurry vision, dark circles under the eyes, sensitivity to light, um, sores in the mouth, obviously thrush, Ringing in the ear, so tinnitus is very common with mold toxicity when you read into it. Um, let me see what else is here in this first one. Sore throat, frequent colds, delayed recovery from colds, exhausted from exercise, frequent static shocks, increased thirst, trouble sleeping, dizziness, frequent urination, change in appetite, intestinal gas, nausea, feeling bloated, constipation, crave sweets, crave alcohol. So that's like category one and you give each one a tick. Mm. So you can imagine how many people are like ticking, 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 ticking there with no symptoms. Then you get sort of like into like category two is a little more specific. So you're sort of starting to get into, you know, asthma, burning lungs, recurrent respiratory infections, migraines, plugged ears, chronic sinusitis again, diarrhea, constipation, irritable bowel, um, food sensitivities, recurrent athlete's foot or jock itch or toenail fungus. Um, again, Raynaud syndrome. A lot of people don't realize, again, Raynaud syndrome and the thermal regulation of our hands can be offset by exposure to ochre toxin. Yeah. Um, non-obstructive sleep apnea. So again, people can have sleep issues being caused by mold, again, driven by their, their sinus, difficulty thinking clearly. Oh, I wonder if you've got that and you're 300 pounds at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Recipe for disaster. <laughs> um, balance issues is another big one that, that 
again, all this t- sort of stuff, when, when I have a book, I'm, I'm a bit better remembering things. Um, slow reflexes, nerve pains, overactive bladder, uh, react to musty spaces, which is sort of what I said. And again, you go back, go through this and you sort of like, you know, tick off how many boxes and you give yourself a score of like zero to three. And then category three again is a little more indicative towards what you sort of do daily. So, you know, category three, daily use of sinus spray or neti pot, you know, sinus surgery any time in your life, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, uh, the Marcons, peanut allergy, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, hearing loss, confusion, dementia, memory loss, um, respiratory distress, um, what else do we have? histamine intolerance, ulcers, blood and stool, um, liver pain or swelling, fatty liver, um, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, um, kidney pain, kidney disease, um, mast cell activation syndrome, exposure to water building, damaged at any time in your life, um, exposure to mold, and then obviously positive um, con- contrast sensitivity analysis. And so, you know, you know, you add up each category one to three and it gives you a total mold risk. Yeah. For, for me anyway, when I'd done this, it, it came up at five to nine, which was possible mold sickness. Okay. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's pretty, you know, like some of the things you could be ticking off a load of things like seeing it, see sneezing, frequent runny nose, sinusitis. You know, when people start to read these things, you look at this questionnaire, you start to really see that, you know, a lot of it is common symptoms that we'd go, uh, it's just hay fever, or I, I'm starting to get a cold, or this, that, and the other. That you don't actually then think, well, actually, you know, I could have mycotoxicity. Mm. Um, so that book, Break the Mold, highly recommend if you don't follow Jill Christa. So Jill, J I L L, and then Christa, C R I S T A. Her book is probably the easiest and most in-depth if i'm honest in terms of the kill sweat bind protocols she she sort of goes about it a slightly different way to dr jess in that she breaks down the book in terms of um sort of looking at the big picture being avoidance then your fundamentals then your protect then you repair your body and then you get ready to fight off the mold yeah um, and then she has a whole thing about how to diagnose buildings because she actually suffered with mold herself due to a small, slow leak above her kitchen where everyone else in her family was fine. Yeah, she suffered dramatically with symptoms when she'd enter her kitchen. Um, and she regularly does Instagram lives. She's one person that I regularly converse with and um, I've been meaning to sit down and actually book a consult where to pick her brain because she's she's an expert. Wow. Um, and then there's another book on Amazon by Neil Nathan called Toxic. Yeah, the Heal Your Body, is that it? Uh, yeah, Heal Your Body. Yeah, it's a it's a big book. Now it is quite. Um, would I say it goes into a lot of detail and it can get a little overwhelming if you don't have a science background yeah um Neil does really try to write in a 
I guess, a secondary school format that someone could actually read and understand what's going on. Yeah. But if you aren't science inclined, you know, this can get a little overwhelming that it might take you a little bit longer to read. Um, but again, there's a lot of invaluable data there and he, he shows about that visual contrast sensitivity test and, you know, shows what, why we do these things. And um, he sort of goes in depth at the end of it about when we get these toxic exposures that it causes not only immune dysfunction, but it can cause nervous system dysfunction and trying to reset the nervous system, whether that's our GI and our appetite or whether it's our memory you know, there's a lot of things that get affected by toxic exposures. Um, yeah. So that'd be the, the next book. And uh, do I have another one? I'll put these links in the uh, in the bio as well so people can see them. Um, just looking here on my shelf. No, I'd, I'd probably just go with those two. There, there is a, there's another one that I have there, the immune system recovery plan, but I don't... Uh, I think it's it's more about you know this the immune system recovery plan is more about supplements and um, uh, recipes for I guess uh, resetting um, either nervous system stress or GI stress and she sort of breaks down what each sort of nutrient does in terms of healing uh, autoimmunity. Um, right. Something that you know you might follow on after doing the other two books but definitely anyone who sort of has any sort of inclination that they're exposed to mold either go to jill's website or buy the book you know the book i think is like 12 pound on on amazon for the paperback yeah. it's probably even i think it might even be uh, let's see now i think um i think the kindle for it might even be like six pound or something break down mold Kindle edition, £7.61. So there, there you have a people, you have a, uh, you can actually look inside the book, which is the first, uh, first 10 or 12 pages. Actually, there you go. So if you go onto Amazon and you go in and you view her book, she has her questionnaire. That's right, on the Amazon thing, right. Yeah, right there in the, book uh preview, preview look inside yeah and you can go and take the questionnaire without having to buy the book but i would suggest go and buying the book because it's yeah. six seven pounds 61 for the kindle or if you're old school like me and prefer to have a pile of books uh it's a little more expensive for the paperback um but yeah that that's a, an amazing tool that you know <sighs> There are mold specialists, naturopathic doctors out there, but you just need to find the right one. And Jill is definitely someone that has inspired me when I've gone down these rabbit holes of trying to figure out answers, either in her writing content or even just little things in that book that sort of triggered off um, light bulb moments of, okay, that, that makes sense now of, of why that's happening. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully, like any sort of coaches here, um, you'd be surprised how much food intolerance issues with clients is potentially an underlying mold issue. Yeah. Um, again, you know, if someone has frequent runny stills or even frequent constipation on the other opposite end, 
you know, yes, we can sort of try and start to put that underneath IBS, but there could be a, again, an underlying hidden pathogen that's causing the issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, I, I think it, it definitely sort of getting this sort of um, topic out to coaches in the fitness industry. Yeah. It's definitely something worthwhile, uh, especially if you are someone who finds that you get run down quite easily as well. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'll, I'll link. Uh, I'll link Jill. Uh, she got a website. Uh, Jill Christmas. She got a website. Um, website. And she's got. I, I know she's got social media. So I'll link her in as well. She's she's on social media, and her website is Dr. Krista, D or C or I S T A dot com. Cool. Okay. Um, there is one other website um, if people want to go to, which is another fantastic one called youarethehealer.org and if you go into the mold and toxins tab this lady is very in-depth with what she does in terms of writing right um you can go in and read about you know the hladorg and um you can read about all the different types of mycotoxins and binders supporting phase one and two liver metabolism um it's a it's a great uh, it's a great website. Not like she not only writes about mold, she writes about other things. But um, her name's uh, Doctor Cheryl Tilg. No, no, yeah, that's good actually. It's a really good website. Um, again, uh, the the mold and toxins tab has you know biotoxin pathways, the mold and mycotoxins, moldy food, moldy people. Um, again, that that brings me back to a another thing in terms of moldy people if you have been exposed to mycotoxins you can breed them out so that means that if there are people in your environment who are mold susceptible you're going to infect them as well yeah and why i say this is because our small son callum last year had a chronic cough for about six weeks mm. during the period when I was most sick. Yeah. And I kept saying to Morgan, if I was to put a bed on it, and this is before the mycotoxin test, I said to her, I'm fairly certain that I'm exhaling from what I've read, mycotoxins that are irritating his lungs. Because as I got better with the antibiotic and obviously with the saunas back in January and February, his cough magically disappeared. Yeah. To the, like it was a cough to the point that we were thinking, okay, there's there's something not right there. And, and obviously it, it was more than likely me. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, it's not something to take lightly that if you are mold infected, you know, you could be passing it around to people unknown to yourself if they're in close proximity or, or in within your living environment. Yeah. Um yeah, that, that you are the healer website again is another yeah. another brilliant one that she she breaks things down so easily. I'll link that in. Um, you've got some uh, you've got some tabs on your Instagram that are worth checking out as well. Yeah, there's a the mold highlight um, on my Instagram. So if you go into that, it sort of starts off with me discussing it in Portugal about the the saunas when we went away to the spa weekend and obviously there's a picture of the towel in Portugal of what I'm sweating now and yeah. you start to realise that, you know, 
okay, sweating, again, as an aside, is no joke. If you're a person who does not sweat regularly, really try and address that because there's probably an issue with your detox pathways. Yeah. Um, you know, you should be sweating at least once daily um, in terms of vigorous sweating from exercise. Because again, heavy metal exposure from our environment and then obviously the microtoxins leaving through the skin from sweat. It's a detoxification process for your body yeah. as well as a core cooling process. So it's definitely, uh, you know, sweating at least two to three times a week, controlled sweating through sauna is fantastic for uh, detoxification. Yeah. Um, so it, again, just, it, it was, it's been great to just be able to sort of highlight, you know, to people, this is something that, you know, if you are suffering with it, it's probably not all in your head. Yeah. That you will, you will find a root cause to the issue and, I guarantee if you look carefully in your environment, things will start to click in place. People are going to be pulling their wardrobes out. Hair dryers out and burning carpet. and <laughs> Carnage. But, but like I said, if you do find mold, please be responsible because you can make yourself even more sick yeah. trying, trying to kill it. So when you say that, would you need to get someone in to professionally remove that then? So if you found it, you'd, because uh, I remember where, like, we'd done that before and they'd like really cut holes out the walls and stuff and replaced it with new, uh, new, new. Uh, yeah, 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 you will. Like if, if, so for something like drywall, it's probably a lot easier to, to remedy. If it's something that's sort of inf infested, it's probably the best way to say, say we're infected. If it's infested, you know, your brickwork. Jill, Jill goes into it in her book about when they, she had a slow leak from her kitchen. Yeah. That wasn't actually the root cause of where it ended up going. It ended up going to the basement underneath her kitchen. Right. And she goes into detail um, about what they sort of done when they were remediating the basement and she decided to take um, spore analysis as well as uh, cultures from specific sections of, say, the dry wood that they were treating. And while they were killing off certain species of mold with fungicides, they were actually then encouraging the growth of other pathogens because they were eradicating one species, the other species then moved in on that territory. Yeah. So you are probably better off having someone professionally come in and assess and then clean the environment. Yeah. Um, again, if, if it's not, you know, debilitating, your symptoms aren't debilitating, okay, and you don't have the luxury of going to uh, another accommodation or another place to live, during the period where you're trying to get better well then you know you're just gonna have to wait until you can get it professionally cleaned by by that person and then start to address the biotoxin illness by kill bind and sweat yeah so awesome it was good to speak about that pretty good you know it was cool it was nice to to sort of lay it all out um it was probably a little bit disjointed but you know there's, there's just so much to this that that you could go down so many different rabbit holes um, that 
the hope of this sort of chat is that people then start to question if they have clients who are chronically ill or who have sensitivities that they start to broaden their education and start thinking outside the box even if that means that you know you you're able to tell your client okay well maybe getting a mycotoxin test might not be a bad idea mm. and then going from there obviously um seeking you know the, the opinion of of someone who has experience with mold yeah and being able to put a plan in place to help uh, treat symptoms and ultimately get that person better yeah 100% awesome yeah I'll put all the links in the in the bio and obviously I'll link your social media in as well I don't even need to say what your social media is, handle is no. <laughs> so by now if you don't know Dean then I don't know what you Dean yeah you've been on a rock yeah but yeah thanks for coming on mate I, I enjoyed that a lot Thanks so much for having me back, Callum. It's always a it's always a pleasure to just uh, help get some of the sort of, I guess, nuanced topics out to people that sort of sets people off on further education. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you again. Thanks for listening, guys. We shall uh, speak to you soon. Bye bye.